Hello and welcome to Geek Sweat. We are the news, reviews and interviews podcast and today we are broadcasting live and direct from the Advocacy Academy. The Advocacy Academy is an activist youth movement of leaders fighting for justice and equality. They serve as the political home for grassroots youth organising and the catalyst for collective action. They exist in the heart of Southwest London in Brixton. You can find them on the website www.theadvocacy.com Welcome to Geek Sweat. This is Dom's Docs, the section where I, King Dom, talk about some recent and noteworthy documentaries. Joining me this month are MKH. Hey! Thank you for having me, Dom. King Dom. Always a pleasure. <laughs> and also joining us, TJ. Oh, thank you for having, t- having me, King Dom. Thanks for up. keeping the energy up. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Woo. <laughs> Excellent. So, hey. Cool. So the reason we're so enthusiastic is the documentary we're doing this month is The Speech Cubers. Yay! Yay! Oh, you know what I was supposed to bring with me? Oh, a Rubik's, Rubik's Cube. Cube. A Rubik's Cube, and I could have done it in the. Oh, that. Oh, cool. we can add it in post. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do it in post. Yeah. <laughs> I'll find it for you. Squanch. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little Rick and Morty gag for the uh, experts there. <laughs> So, the Speedcubers, we watch a lot of stuff on here of various stripes, some better quality than others. Most of it, it's fair to say, can be quite depressing and or mean-spirited, so I guess it's nice to have something that's a little more soft and fluffy. TJ, what did you make of the offering this month? Uh, Speedcuber uh, is a very emotional story for me. Uh, I didn't realise competition could be so friendly on film. Yeah, absolutely. Especially after in previous months, we saw the Kings of Kong in which guys literally ripped themselves to shreds over Donkey Kong. So this was a nice (laughs) antidote to that. And MKH, what did you make of it? I um, was very appreciative of the fact that it was only 40 minutes long. Because when I saw the initial title, I was like, what does Speedcuber mean? Like, where are we going? And then I was... Then I saw it was about Rubik's Cube. I was like, oh my goodness, this cannot be more than an hour. And I was and right. And lo and behold, it yeah, wasn't. it was 40 minutes. Well, there was a reason why I chose that. And it was with the 40 minute time in mind. I did literally choose this documentary because it was 40 minutes long. And, and also that... our short attention spans. <laughs> well, it was because also this month we had to watch the Schneider Cut of Justice League, which mm. is over four hours long. So I thought if we do four hours plus 40 minutes, yeah. do the average of the two, that's two hours. So cool, that's cool. a normal running time. Absolutely. That is very excellent. Because like, yeah, like you said, like the, the amount of watching we had to do for this month, it was like a, it was a day's work, actually. It was wasn't insane. It? Yeah. it was a yeah. whole rabbit hole that we had to go down. Yeah, it should have been called Geek Sweats Injustice League. It was. Uh, at the end of the day, I like stumbled out into the darkness, feeling confused and depressed and demoralised. <laughs> That's also- a normal Tuesday night for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> also, this continues down our theme of uh, uh, loving everything Korean, because this uh, film actually stars... Um, Max Park, who is a Korean American, yes, Korean American, and Felix Zemdegs, uh, Zemdegs, Zem who's of Latvian descent. Oh, right. but he's actually Australian. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I guess at this point we should do a little synopsis. So Felix Zemdegs was the reigning Rubik's Cube world champion, considered by some people to be the best Rubik's Cuber of all time, and then 
along came Max Parks, who is his equal or better. But not only that, Max Parks is autistic and in fact he's been on a journey very much supported by his parents where competing at the high level in Rubik's Cube is actually helping his social development. And not only that, he's forged a friendship with Felix, which seems to have enriched both of them. Um, I'm going to be a bit controversial here. Go for it. Um, That's why you're here. (laughs) With my hot takes. Hit us us with your controversy, Rana Face. Um, I felt that Felix is... um, happy-go-lucky, very supportive uh, mode of friendship could have been mostly for the cameras. And inside, he was absolutely burning that someone (laughs) like Max Park could take away all of his achievements in one fell swoop. (laughs) Just like that. And I think the only thing for him to do was put on a brave face I think deep down he, he has uh, several pillows with <laughs> mm. Max Park's face on it and <laughs> and some knitting needles. <laughs> but that's just me just going off the vibe I was feeling uh, from Felix. Because again, Felix came from, and he, I think in terms of neurodivergence, I think he, he he's not on the spectrum. Mm. I think um, he has, uh, I guess, social skills and um he came from a well-to-do family and in fact the family only started supporting him when he became a success because i'm sure he could have went on to do something else in fact he 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 goes to university by the end of this so he goes to work in a quite a good uh industry yeah. felix not... Semdex. yeah yeah he goes He's to work finance. um in finance yeah exactly so like he this was something that was uh a hobby that turned into something a lot more so Felix, by all metrics, was going to be great anyway. And I was more interested in the, um, in the story arc of Max Park, mm. because if it wasn't for Rubik's Cubin, God knows where he would be in terms of social development. Mm. Like, it, there was a very sad line where um, his mum said on camera that once, he w- once she was told that he was autistic... She, she basically saw it as her, her life was over mm. with, with her son. Like she All said, the things that she'd imagined yeah, doing exactly. with him. Yeah, exactly. Doing with a son were yeah. completely erased purely by then of his diagnosis of autism. And that kind of like, that really, that, that shook me to my core in something that was only 40 minutes long. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it was impressive for the honesty that they said that. And the father as well. Mm. saying okay let's have a cry about this now and then let's get on with it yeah yes and <laughs> i shouldn't say this but they kind of did get to work in, on producing another child straight away <laughs> well. there, was, there was a younger brother that went everywhere with them which oh uh, was that his younger yeah brother? that was okay, his younger okay. brother um, kind of yeah yeah um but yeah <laughs> anyway go on <laughs> let's brush that one yeah, under exactly. the carpet <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll say in my defense because there's a kind of camaraderie and spirit between uh speed cubers there was like a lot of an entourage which you thought was an entourage but it's actually other competitors who were competed in like other tournaments or during tournaments who kind of hang around to kind of watch each other compete so it seems like there's a definitely a friendship motif but i want to just come back to felix Dem- zemdegs um because 
he was a child prodigy as well. And since he was like 12 years old, he was an expert at this kind of three by three by three uh, cube. And he was actually breaking records in between 2010, and 2011, which would have made him something like uh, 15, I think it was, in a three by three, two by two by two, the four by four by four, five by five by five, and six by six by six, and seven by seven by seven. So it's like, there's at least one, two, three, four, five, six different Rubik's Cubes devices that he held the record for at the tender age of like 15 years old. So he was very much a child prodigy. And um, yeah, it's very, I think it was a bit of a shock to see somebody literally come from left field and the autistic spectrum to come and take all of his ref records in one fell swoop because it, I think he felt like he had mastered something that he'd grown up with over time. And he just didn't see anyone else ever competing against him. And it seems like um, there was a brief explanation, but I think that they brought a kind of professor or a scientific guy from with algorithms that it is actually about muscle memory. It's about joining the two skills. And of, pattern recognition. It's yeah. pattern recognition plus muscle memory. Yeah, pattern re recognition, muscle memory plus algorithms or understanding how algorithms work. And it's like, when you put it together, it's like, you almost kind of have to like rain man yourself yeah. to it's kind, kind of, of get like to the top. miraculous that Max could do it because they said he was very uncoordinated in his hands. Yeah. And you actually yeah. need like insanely fast fingers to be a good speed cuber. Sure, sure, sure. And the thing is, it's like you, you kind of wonder like what kind of genius lies behind those eyes and fingers because it's like if Felix Zemdeg spent a lifetime as a child to just like 10 to 15 years as a child get into that world record status, the fact that this autistic child who became like a fully grown adult literally because he's like over six foot by the time mm. we see him he's still like in his teens to kind of master that you kind of think like wow there's like there's a lot of stuff going on under yeah, the surface that we don't absolutely. even know about yeah um i guess for me um i think it would have taken someone with an obsessive uh personality to Mm. outshine Felix because don't get me wrong Felix was a, a child uh, prodigy yeah but eventually he wants to grow up and like be social and have friends and like marry whoever and have children can I say something about that because I got the impression that the parents understood that was an inevitable pathway for Felix I didn't get the impression that Felix was ready to kind of relinquish let's say his hold on the world records at that time because it like I think the 2010-2011 era he held the record and some of those tournaments were performed in Melbourne and it was like a comeback to Melbourne like 10 years later that, that was interesting wasn't it because the, the father had like crowd. reconciled himself he said you know mm. of course you know all the records are held by kids because once people grow up you know they get yeah. a partner they get yeah. a job mm. sure. they can't practice 24 mm. hours a day so the parents are reconciled to it but mm -hmm. Felix, like you said, he wasn't quite ready, was he? Yeah. And I think the only reason he wasn't ready was because Max came and smashed all his records. I'll tell you what. Do you think it's also because yeah. you have to be committed to that life, the, the speed cubing lifestyle to the detriment of your social life? No, even? I think he, he comes... Uh, and this is all speculation. Sure. This is nothing built. In fact, I feel that... He came from a small place in, in Australia yeah. and this gave him world recognition. Sure. And no matter how old you get, yeah. 
you want that world recognition. He doesn't yeah. want to be scrubbed off the record books. And yeah. I'm telling you what, if Max didn't come around and smash his rock, he would have went off and been a Lafario in fucking university. He would have went and had children and stuff like that. But Ted I feel talks like, you know, about like speaking Freshers Week with <laughs> his Rubik's Cube <laughs> t-shirt. <Yeah. laughs> but no, Felix came along. So he had to like do another round of the yeah, circuit. Yeah, no, I think... He, I mean, he, Max came yeah, along. Yeah, Max came along. And I think that's that was his claim to fame. And... Yeah, it, unfortunately, in the world of Rubik's Cubing, no one no one remembers the guy second. Yeah. <laughs> they don't even remember the yeah. number one, and that was, and especially for a guy who was uh, retired to the fact. Oh yeah, I'm going to go into finance. I'm good mm. with numbers. I'm going to make yeah. money. Yeah, it's fine. I'm going to make money. But what achievements am I really going to make? Yeah. And I think that was an achievement that he wanted to carry to the grave. Yeah. And yeah. it's isn't it so funny that in the space of like two years how slow someone like the slowdown in someone's fingers or something dexterity yeah, yeah dexterity yeah. and stuff like that because the guy uh, by the end it's of 25 this, now yeah exactly mm. but by the end of this it was like two years ago it was only 23 but yeah, like yeah. he's uh, dexterity it's <laughs> went to the point where yeah. uh, max park who didn't have as as king dom alluded to didn't have the best coordination at all mm. was able to like smash his records yeah i mean maybe it's because he's just like loose and he's probably not he, he's not attached to the meaning of what he's doing as much as Felix. I don't know. But the thing is, it's like, it, it does definitely push the button on the, the common competition phrase. First is everything. Second is nothing. Mm. I would also add, by the time we watch the competition, we've already been immersed in the world of speed cubing. Yeah. Because otherwise it would be meaningless to us. Like if we, um, if the film started and they showed us Felix doing it in seven seconds, we'd yeah. think, wow. But by the time the competition runs around and yeah. you see him going over six seconds, you're like, oh shit, he's gone over six seconds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then when he finally clocks in at seven seconds, you're like, oh no. <laughs> exactly. Um, what did you think? And... I, I don't know if this is completely true, but it, there must be some type of jealousy on the part of Max's parents that it, it takes someone like Felix to tell him, yeah, you should eat that. When they had the dinner scene. Yeah. And he was saying, yeah, like, that's good for you. Like, you have some vegetables. Yeah. And he's listening to him and, like, his parents that have, like, basically put everything in place for him. Mm. Not, even though they should because they're the fucking parents yeah right. but there must be some type of resentment towards Felix I, that I just caught that in one bit I think it's um, Max's um, father who says you know if Felix tells him to do it he'll do it yeah. and I just detected a tiny shred yeah. of resentment yeah. there yeah. <laughs> exactly because <laughs> he's undoing all of his work and yeah. uh, training I mean the thing is the speed cuber world is like alien to me because it's not something I was ever great at and maybe it's my lack of coordination when i was younger and probably even now but it's like um yeah it's about dexterity and algorithms but it was kind of i like the idea that the professor explained the dynamics of speed cubing and how the human mind works but i think there was this element where matt we need to remember that max park saw felix zemdegs as a hero or perhaps even a superhero mm. at some point in this kind of world that he was just embrace him and i never got the impression from max park that he understood fully what it meant to take those titles away from uh felix i got the impression of i'm doing something to please my best friend or be with my best friend or i'm doing something as good as my best friend and it was kind of like it was it is very a light heart he i know it's because of the autism but he had a very light-hearted approach to the competition right, and to yeah. the point where 
he couldn't engage with Felix emotionally. And it was kind of, I think that's probably where some of Felix's pain was, that there wasn't that reciprocation of you've taken this thing away from Because I think there was a, a moment in one of the competitions where uh, I think Felix didn't make the podium and I think Max did. And it was like, um, it, and he took the record and records were taken away. But it was like, Felix was no longer the record holder in any of the categories. And he needed like an arm around his shoulder. But it was like, there was a moment where you wondered, does Max understand and he doesn't know how to comfort him? Or is he literally still in his own world at this moment? I, okay, so there's a few things that I saw. I, I, I felt that um, because Max saw uh, Felix as his hero, yeah. I don't think he wanted to beat Felix. He just wanted to be with him. He just wanted to be with him. Um, like if it was me beating Felix's records, that would have got my dick hard. But for Max, <laughs> it was like, oh. And then you saw at the end yeah. where he was more concerned about Felix not doing well. So in the last competition, the last competition, yeah, yeah. Felix absolutely got trampled by everyone. Yeah, yeah. And Max, in his own way, yeah. was saying he, he was... It, displaying that he mm. was more concerned yeah. about the welfare of Felix as opposed to himself not yeah. winning the competition. Yeah, that was pretty touching to see. And I think that was in his own way, him emotionally expressing. Yeah. Oh yeah. like Which was a big moment yeah. because yeah. he's expressing empathy. Yeah, exactly. It was like he supported um, or not. He, he showed his reverence to Felix by not celebrating his own achievement in that moment. Do you think that's what it was? I don't think he... Like you said, I don't think he, he celebrates in that way. I think no, but if he could celebrate, it felt to me like there, there might have been an ounce of his understanding that this isn't the time no, to I celebrate. Think he definitely empathised. He didn't do that well either. He yeah. came he came fourth, and Felix came fifth. Yeah, and he was yeah. more concerned that Felix had come fifth, yeah, as yeah. opposed to himself coming fourth, not even yeah. making the podium. Sure. I think at this point. Max was just doing anything to be around his hero yeah. because that was the first person he connected with yeah. on any level. That was yeah. the person he got taken as a child. He took a photo like where he was fucking, yeah. I was thinking, how, what, what type of time jump was this? He mm. took a photo when you were shorter than Felix and now yeah. he was like towering over him. Yeah. yeah, like which was really funny. So yeah, I think Max continuously is was seeking the approval mm. of Felix. Yeah. And I think if Felix one day in the future decides to not even go to any um, uh, Rubik's Cube competitions, mm. that's going to be like the loss of a parent for, yeah. for Max. And I don't think mm. he'll be able to recover mm. from mm. that. Yeah. And I'm not looking like, I'm not looking forward to what that will entail for, for Max. Cause yeah, he, he's, yeah. He, Everything is how, even when they were doing the videos together, mm, <laughs> like yeah. you could see how much he looked up to, yeah, or looked down to fucking Felix. <laughs> yeah, so it was like, it was, it was and like, he was physically looking down yeah, because exactly. he grew like yeah. almost half a yeah. foot above him. Yeah. yeah, it was so strange to see, guys. I've got some confessions to make because, um, when I was watching this, you gave him herpes, <laughs> yeah, that as well. <laughs> That's how I should get these Trouble. confessions. And I, <laughs> these are my confessions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this that's on the docket, but yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I mean, first of all, I admit, super fast documentary, clever timing, perhaps because of the subject matter and the title, The Speed Cubers. When Dom suggested this, I thought, like, thank effing god, this is like less I'm than so an hour and a half to be appreciated. But mm. at 40 minutes, I thought this is going to be a breeze. Um, I'll watch it, make some notes about it, have something to say about it, and. 
the thing I was surprised about is as it's a rival story, essentially, it's an amazingly heartwarming story. And I'm going to make a confession because obviously I'm not very in touch with my feminine side as much as I should be. But there was a little moisture in my left eye when I watched Max oh. like learning to fail in the Speed Cubing Championship because I don't think I have ever been fast tracked into the emotional story of how somebody lives with and and learns with a disability as quickly as this and there was a really humbling line which was said by max park's dad which was what a great human being he is that he makes sure that he is a good friend first which is what he was saying about felix zemdegs in terms of staying involved in his life and doing little things like as soon as max park breaks a record he's like there on a text message or a whatsapp or some kind of form of um video link to kind of just say congratulations rather than say well F you, you took my record, etc. you know? Yeah. yeah, it was a very touching film, I would say. So I think we should credit the directors at this point, Sue Kim and Chris Romano, for a very good job as well. Easy to overlook the filmmakers, yeah. but it was not yeah. just a great score story, it was like skillfully edited and well-chosen shots. And there was one chosen shot that I really loved. It was about um, 24 minutes into the film. There was like a really cute moment where... Um, in one of the tournaments, there's 16 people who are lining up preparing to, for the three-by-three three tournament, which is like the hardest speed to, to kind of calculate because it's the smallest number of algorithms, so you should have the shortest time. And um, there was a really, really young kid, um, because I think Felix Semdex is about 23 at this point, um, is Sean uh, Patrick Villanueva, who I think is like 12 years old at the time. And it's a moment where everybody is in the room and they're kind of... They do this thing, it's almost like a tick, but it's like they're kind of practicing exercising by doing one-handed um, algorithm changes on the cube, sometimes looking at it, sometimes not looking at it. And there's a moment where he was looking on, seemingly kind of observing or obsessed by Max. And he kind of does this little shuffle finish on the cube that's in his <laughs> right hand without looking at anyone. And I just love that moment that it was kind of like, I'm admiring you, but I've also got this skill in my... Um, left hand and I'm just going to finish this Rubik's Cube that only like 0.5% of the population can do I thought that was amazing <laughs> yeah nice moment good spot um, I, you know what I, I was watching this film and I was thinking this is amazing like I, I, I hope one day I'm, ha I'm, able, I'm able to have a child and they uh, get into speed cubing and I get to go to, with them because it's a like, nice supportive community you mean yeah yeah absolutely we get to go and you to, get to travel around the world yeah we yeah. get to go to Australia and then while they're speed cubing on stage, I'm trying to finger bang the mums that are there without their husbands. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine having... Why do you think his dad goes to every event? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no way are you going on your own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, it does definitely seem like a very... Because for a lot of these kids, they are quite isolated in their hometowns, yeah. in their daily life, this is the only time they get to see their friends because everything's done virtually. Yeah. Mm. And they get to see them in the flesh. And like there was definitely a strength of community. Yeah, Even though it is really odd that it happens to be in Australia. I, I never got why Australia was the, the hub for... But isn't it a different place every time? Yeah, like a different yeah. venue for the World Championships? Is it? Because I yeah. thought that's why... Um, Felix was able to win it so many times because it was always in his backyard. No, because no, oh, no, he was no, no. saying, no, it's in my hometown this time. So oh. that's why there was even more significance to it. Oh, yeah. okay. So the championships uh, take place in different places. I'm just going to try and see if there's any locations. So locations they've taken place in before 
include, and this is the World Rubik's Cube Championships, include 1982, Budapest, which is Hungary, 2003, uh, Toronto, Canada, 2005, Lake Buena Vista in the United States, 2007, back to Hungary, Budapest, 2009, Dusseldorf, Germany, 2011, uh, Bangkok, Thailand, 2013, Las Vegas, America, 2015, Sao Paulo, Brazil, 2017, uh, Paris and 2019 Melbourne, which I assume is the era. That's the one made. that they filmed yeah, in the documentary. Film. And 2021, which unfortunately is, I'm guessing is cancelled because of the COVID, would have been Almere, and that would have taken place in Holland. Or oh, sorry, the Netherlands. Apologies. Right. Mm. Wow. That's, that's a pretty good holiday list. Yeah. No, I, I would like to go to Hungary. Mm. Um, I think we knew someone from Hungary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We had someone in the canon that yeah. would be able to be our tour guide. If only we interviewed somebody. From oh wait, Hungary wait, wait! I got it. Kata. Yeah. Kata. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She'd really get on, get her yeah. on back. She'd get on the bell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would be on. good to kind of get her point of speakers, but yeah, cool. Well, because she's Hungarian. <laughs> And As she's, a Hungarian person, what do you think of Rubik's Cubes? Yeah. <laughs> we are going to reduce your nation to one stereotypical exactly. thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, what did you think of how it was filmed? So there, there were some poignant shots. There were. And yeah. I feel that um, how... How do you think they went about... Uh, recruiting people for this do you, do you think Sue Kim is a fan maybe maybe Sue Kim is a follower of the Rubik's Cube championship I actually don't know the backstory here because that would be interesting to know whether she's she she was a close follower of the Rubik's Cube and she's like oh shit like these two are basically frenemies mm. at this point like of course Felix has has to be happy for Max because he, he he has to be the, the bigger person. Well, Sue Kim's part of a, a production company called uh, Saltwater Productions. Uh, she's based now in Portland, Oregon, United States. So I'm assuming that she probably got in contact with the family because she wanted to explore that. But she, I'm not sure if she was totally aware of the uh, rivalry. But I mean, it could have been a story that emerged in the editing because a, a lot of times what happens with a documentary film is they mm. start with one angle and then if they're good documentary makers, they react to the most important angle that mm. they encounter as they're filming mm. and edit the film around that. Yeah, um, because it's quite interesting that, like, I'm going to assume that uh, Sue Kim is a, another uh, Korean-American and did she have insight being that Max is Korean as well, was it... Um, Max was going to be the driving force of this documentary and then the extra element of that he was taking all these championships from Felix and the fact that they are friends was added mm. uh, as I they mean, went along. That. There is an article uh, which came out on the 24th of February uh, 2021 by Deadline which is titled A Very Improbable Utopia Oscar shortlisted doc The Speed Cubers Goes Inside the World of Rubik's Cube competitors. Um, so I get the impression that Sue Kim knew that she uh, was exploring something very unique and that she is aware that um, they started, and this is her quote, uh, they started slowly developing this friendship. I saw it happen before my eyes at the US Nationals in 2018, where they clearly where they were clearly the two most favoured to win, Kim recalls. She continues to say, they were fierce rivals and they so obviously loved each other. They hang out together. Felix is so kind to Max. He'd always pump him up or bring him into photos. Just seeing that, even from afar, it moved me incredibly. Mm. 
Interesting. And it seems like she has a part-time interest in speed cubing herself as well. But not at the speeds as, as these guys. So she yeah. initially she went to the championship to make a documentary about speed cubing in yeah. general and she found her angle. Yeah, and it's possibly because there was a um, a Korean American uh who was on the verge of winning noise and up But and You know, that's a, a good documentary maker will yeah. zero in and find the best story in amongst that. Sure. Do, do you know what type of absolute beast Max Park is? Yeah. Out of the uh, official uh, world rankings where there's 14 of them. Yeah. 14 categories. Yeah, 14 categories. He ranks first in nine of those categories. That's crazy. The guy's an absolute yeah. monster when it comes to speed cubing. Yeah, and I think for further context, I think the three by three um, world record was either held between Max Park or Felix Zemdegs for about a decade between, I think, 2000 or 2010 to 2019. So, uh, but it is interesting that, um, sorry, her name's Sue Kim, I think. Uh, she was able to see Max and Felix together in a final tournament as being special. But for me, it was also special that it was Felix's swan song as Max Parks was on the on the rise, as it were. That's insane. So like when this documentary, well, the championship happened two years ago, Max Park was... Like only seventeen. Yeah, he's only nineteen now. This is just like such a young person. And I think his father had also said that um, with his particular condition of autism, even though he's a young adult in a seventeen-year-old body, uh, he has got the mental aptitude of a seven-year-old. So I'm not sure if that extends his capacity to be able to perform these records in this world a little bit longer than usual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I hope he's got longevity in um, the world of sp uh, speed cubing to the point where he actually becomes a mentor mm. for kids. He's definitely he's definitely got to be an inspiration for people and families who may come into the, the world of autism because he's really showing how you can excel at um, a specialism and also like find a home or a place in society with the difficulty it is to manage autism as a social condition, you know? Yeah, I definitely would agree with that. Um, no, good stuff. Yeah, I guess if we've got time, we could just say quickly how this is a good example of how documentaries have changed since the invention mm. of the video camera. Okay. Um, prior to that, um, if you were shooting on 16 mil film, yeah. you'd have a really limited amount of footage you could use. But sure. now you can shoot almost unlimited footage with yeah. video at a lower budget, yeah. which allows for kind of niche documentaries like this, documentaries shot over longer periods of time. Yeah, yeah. And going back a little bit, I remember a documentary from the 2000s, early 2000s, called Spellbound about mm. spelling bees in America, which just wouldn't have been possible without yeah. video camera. Sure. They were able to follow a number of kids. They picked the eventual winner of the competition. Sure. That kind of documentary wouldn't be possible on 16 mil. Yeah. So that's a little bit of backstory about how films of this type are possible. Mm. And just to bring it forward, talk about this one in general, I think it's nice to have something that's positive because yeah. we see so many documentaries that are about rivalries. Mm. This is, but it wasn't like... And dystopias as dystopias, well. Dystopias, yeah. So... Yeah, this was this was touching. It was nice. It was refreshing. So happy. 
TJ, final thoughts? Um, I'll say this is a pretty enjoyable uh, clean living documentary and lots of positives about it. I also wanted to say that um, this is like a really perfect, almost perfect documentary, especially the idea that you took, uh, this, the director had taken like a, the scale of a worldwide championship, worldwide championship, and it kind of drills down to the minutiae of the, the microseconds it takes to flick um, with an, an algorithm into being with muscle memory. So, but um, I think my main takeaway of it is um, friendship is the only competition worth winning. Oh, very nice. Oh, final thoughts. Well, okay. I can't really top that, can I? Friendship is the only competition. Jesus. So we'll, we'll switch the editing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. No, I, I echo everything that has just been said. It's a nice documentary. It won't take much time out of your day it's it's it's, it's fun loving it's like if you are like me tired of the constant news cycle the fact that bills are going up like we've got the fucking supply shortage in the uk this will <laughs> give you a nice escape that doesn't further propel you into a dystopian uh, TV show like The Walking Dead because I always found that funny when people are having a bad time they watch something on television that's even worse yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. it's like you know it's, it's not I that just, bad I then. to forget about yeah. everything yeah, it's like a, back on an episode of The Walking yeah. Dead yeah. Yeah. at least it's not like that and like I think this is does exactly the opposite I mean you know give it another couple of years of Tori Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. We might yeah. get there. I've already uh, made shift axes with with scissors, sellotape to them. So I'm, <laughs> I'm ready. For You're that. ready. Yeah, um, but yeah. Now I think this is this is a really good and it, uh, documentary, and it gives you a keen insight into what um, what parents really feel when uh, they have a child that is neurodiversion and is on the spectrum of um, autism. Yeah, good points. Yeah. So, if you want to be a good documentary filmmaker, you need sensitivity, trust, instinct for a good story. All of those things. So, that was Dom's Docs. Thank you for joining me, TJ. Thank you, and ciao for now. Thank you for joining me, MKH. You're very welcome. I'm King Dom. We'll be back with more Geek Sweat very soon. <laughs> <laughs>